The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Good evening. Welcome. Glad you're with us. It is WTMJ Nights. Big show planned. Want you involved? Always do. 855-616-1620. That's the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. If you call in, you'll be talking to Matt. He's executive producer of the big broadcast. Be nice to him. That's how you get to me. And if you'd like to text, oh my goodness, why not? Uh, you know, we had a time change over the weekend. So with the sun setting earlier, is your mood or behavior being affected by the fact that it's now dark at about 430 are you coming home from work and immediately putting on your jammies because uh, you know now it's pitch black? And I don't know. For me, it, yes, I am affected by it. I enjoyed. I'll be honest. I enjoyed the extra hour of sleep on Sunday. I didn't. Uh, you know, I set the alarm for nine o'clock, but I got up. I set the alarm for eight because I knew it was nine. I got up. It was great. I got a full night's sleep with that extra hour, and I was still up and ready to go for a uh, a full day so but now i don't really care i'm not uh you know i i know the whole thing was for uh a, the agrarian economy so that it's lighter early late lighter earlier in the morning um i'm not a farmer i love farmers but uh i don't care if it's dark when i get up in the morning and uh you know not dark or not light until i'm driving to work uh i would rather have it a little lighter at night, four thirty is way too early for me. How are you gonna? I, I know they have lights, Matt, but it's gonna it's uh, setting your schedule for your sports calls all crazy. You know now the uh, the games are at uh, in the dark, pitch black. Oh yeah, no fun. Yeah, and especially you look at small college football. This is the last week where they typically do one o'clock starts. Right, they move them earlier because. Some of these stadiums, they either don't have lights or they have facility restrictions. Sure, and they've got four guys with little lanterns standing in each corner, and that's not that's not enough light for a football game. Hey, those can be the pylons. Sure, okay. <laughs> that's it's like it's like playing football on a runway. They just have enough light so you can see where the end zone is, and then you point yourself down there and head out. Pardon me. Peter says, for all those who mourn minimal winter daylight, consider that in Fairbanks, Alaska, the sun, the sun is up only very low on the southern horizon daily from about 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Yes, but if you live in Alaska, you know that. You know, it's the, it, that's fantastic. I don't live in Alaska. I want to visit Alaska, but I'm going to visit in the summer when it's light out and then it gets dark, you know, like a normal place. Speaking of normal places... And I don't know if that segue is going to work, but because I'm starting to feel that Wisconsin and a lot of the country are not normal places anymore. I've talked about this in the past because it really rankles me. I get upset when I read about book bannings. And I know just me saying book bannings is going to get people all riled up. Oh, there's no books being banned. You're wrong. There are books being banned. There are books being restricted. And it's happening all over the country, and it is happening in Wisconsin. Wisconsin schools are banning books. And I was reading this in the Journal Sentinel today, and the more I read it, the more upset I became. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this right at the outset. You have a right as a parent to not have your children read something that you find 
uncomfortable for whatever reason. And we'll get to what some of the reasons I think really are. But as a parent, you have that right absolutely. What you don't have the right to do is restrict other people's access to those materials. If you find a book about civil rights or an LGBTQ issue or some sort of science that you don't quite agree with, if you find that book objectionable and you don't want your child to read it, by all means, keep your child from reading it. I, I don't believe in inter interfering with a parent's right to care for their child. I wouldn't want somebody doing that to me. I wouldn't dream of doing it to somebody else. But what I also wouldn't dream of doing is saying, all right, we are go I want these books out of libraries so that no child can have access to them. I want them either banned outright or I want it so restrictive that a child who might be curious about something can't find some information and read about it in the library. So since 2021, Wisconsin schools have fielded requests to restrict over 200 books from their collections uh, and made decisions to restrict over 100, that according to school district records. Um, book bans, like I mentioned, they're all across the country. People are trying to do this. Wisconsin's no exception. Uh, there have been two major pushes that uh, made the news. A lot of people were talking about them. I'm sure we talked about them here on WTMJ. 33 books were banned at Menominee Falls High School. 12 books are under consideration in Kenosha schools. So the ACLU, which you can argue sometimes go too far, and I would have a hard time disagreeing with that, but they say they are monitoring Wisconsin, quote, monitoring with concern, saying that many of the restricted books fall into a number of categories. And I don't know if this is going to surprise you or not. And excuse me, I, uh, I'm still battling this, this cold that I had last week when we spoke. So um, if all of a sudden I'm gone for a second, trust me, it's better than me being here. Uh, in your ear, hacking up whatever it is that I'm hacking up. But anyway, enough of that. The books all tend to either feature characters of color, LGBTQ characters, and so some people are saying, and rational people could agree with this, or at least be curious about this, that uh, some of these restrictions are politically motivated, and they could violate students' rights to access information. So a book ban is obviously when a book is taken off the shelves. It is not, it is not allowed to be seen. And that's that. Pen America has been tracking all this. They're a nonprofit that does uh, comprehensive tracking of banned books. Uh, they count whether um, a ban, they count book bans, ban, bans, uh, and a ban is whenever an objection to the content of a book results in the removal or restricted access, overriding initial decisions by librarians or educators. So, Say your local librarian goes over, and the librarians don't work unilaterally. There's a board, and, and they say, okay, these are the books we want to have in the library. And the books are all approved. Okay, that's great. Or your school district says, 
these are the books we want to have in the library, or these are some of the books we are going to use in the curriculum. Well, if then those books are challenged and taken out, well, that counts as a ban. So they, they say that's the definition. Uh, they don't count decisions made by educators to weed out materials during regular curriculum reviews and updates. So we all, we all know, if you, if you know anything, you know, if you have kids in school, you know some years the curriculums change. And they say, oh, last year in literature we studied the crucible, and then we studied, uh, you know, Confederacy of Dunces or whatever, whatever books. But you know what? We've decided now we're going to change it up. We're going to focus on some different books this year and some different subject matters and some different things that are going to, we, we feel, enhance the education of the students. So those aren't counted. Well, a lot of the more conservative groups that are pushing for book bans, they disagree with that definition. And one in particular, Parents, Rights, and Education, argued that there's no ban if a book is still available via booksellers. Um, Wisconsin parents have justified demands for removals by arguing that students can find books in other places. There is a huge difference between having to buy a book and being able to check a book out at your library. That, that's pretty simple. Now you might be thinking, ah, see, okay, there's, there's the justification. Nope, because court cases all the way up to this, to federal courts have said, this is not, uh, that's not a justification for banning books. Sorry. Uh, a federal judge in New Hampshire said, quote, restraint on expression may not generally be justified by the fact that there may be other times, places, or circumstances available for such expression. I got to do a little business. When we come back, I'll give you some of the numbers in Wisconsin of the books that it, uh, banned books in the last few years. I'm wondering from you where you fall on this, because if you think it's okay to ban books, I'd like to, I'd like to know why. And I'd like to know if you hear this, that the judges are saying, no, you can't, you can't do this, because actually students do have rights, <coughs> pardon me, to access this information. Supreme Court justices have said that students uh, have a First Amendment right that extends beyond self-expression and includes, quote, public access to discussion, debate, and the dissemination of information and, uh, and ideas. So because you don't like an idea, is it okay to take that idea out of circulation so nobody can think about it? I say no. What do you say? 855-616-1620. It's the old National Bank talking text line. More after this. WTMJ Nights. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. Brian Nuna, we're talking about Wisconsin's banning of books. We've, we've heard about it all over the country. It is a big thing. And, yes, it is definitely happening in Wisconsin. Uh Two big cases that I quoted earlier, 33 books banned at Menominee Falls High School, 12 books under consideration in Kenosha schools. Um, so how common is this? How common are book bans in schools? All right. So 
Before 2021, PEN America, who we talked about earlier, they keep track of all this, uh, noted the organization encountered a handful of book bans every year. Then in 21 and 22, it counted 2,532. Uh, 29 of those were in Wisconsin. Last school year, there were 3,300 nationwide, 43 of those in Wisconsin. Um, they tracked the book bans based on media reports, school district websites, school district minutes and reports sent directly to it. So what, what everybody who's looking at this is getting worried about, and by everybody, I mean like Pen America and the ACLU and, um, you know, just, just casual observers too are saying, okay, it appears that these book bans are targeting authors of color and LGBTQ authors. So that seems to be a well-organized movement to ban books that address history, gender identity, sexuality, and reproductive health. That according to um, the ALA's Office for Intellectual Freedom. That's the American Library Association. If that's the case, it kind of blows a hole in all these people who are saying they're they're against books for vulgarity, they're against books for this. It sounds like, and I, I have said this every time one of these stories comes up, it sounds like they're afraid of ideas that differ from their own or ideas that will challenge something they believe in. If your beliefs are that fragile that a book is going to change your mind, you don't really have a belief, you have an opinion. And opinions can be changed all the time. Beliefs are deeply held, firmly ingrained. Now, can a belief be changed? Sure. But it takes, it takes a lot of uh, evidence to the contrary. It takes a lot of debate. It takes a lot of internal thought. But the fear that seems evident by the attempt to ban these books. And let's not let's not uh, corrupt this by saying, well, I don't want a kindergarten kid reading about penguins that have two fathers. Well, if you ever read the book, it doesn't it, it has nothing to do with sexuality. It's just penguins, you know, that's how penguins are. You don't want your kids to know about penguins, okay. And again, just to restate. As a parent, you have a right to restrict whatever you want for your children. But you don't have the right to do anything else. And that is why the court, even as I mentioned, the Supreme Court is saying, no, um, it's not really legal for school districts to ban books. Some There is some authority in the school districts to remove books from libraries. They can't remove books just because they disagree with ideas presented in the books. That could violate students' freedom of speech under the First Amendment and their access to information. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a tough road. It's something that, um, I don't know. Now, one of the questions in this Journal Sentinel piece that I was uh, researching this through talks about challenging books in Wisconsin. And can books be banned for obscenity in Wisconsin? Um, they're saying some of the challenges to books that have been put on these lists in Wisconsin cited statues limiting obscene material and material, quote-unquote, harmful to children. 
The statute regarding obscenity notes that the statute should never be used to censor materials with, quote, serious artistic, literary, political, educational, or scientific value, end quote. The other statute notes that material may only be considered harmful to children if it lacks, quote, serious, literary, artistic, political, scientific, and educational value for children when taken as a whole. So you can't cherry-pick one line out of a book and say, oh, my goodness, look at the language here. That is, that is obscene. It is going to hurt my child without looking at the entire book. Does the entire book have any sort of literary, artistic merit, educational merit? And thankfully, that is not up to one single individual who wants to make some noise. It is up to trained professionals in the libraries and in the school districts and you know it's this is one fight that i i'm going to keep fighting for because i think it is uh i think it's reprehensible i think it's fear driven and i think if we look a little a little deeper the bigotry involved in the targets of these bands and and lists it's pretty evident all right let's do this then we'll come back it's almost news time on wtmj nights WTMJ Nights. Brian Nooner, WTMJ Nights. We're here until 8 o'clock. Then it's Bucks Weekly with my man Justin Garcia. All right. Now, Matt is here. Matt is uh, Gen Z. Tommy Tommy is there, too. Tommy, who produces uh, this show as well, is in doing some more work. I have a question for both of you gentlemen. And uh, if Jessica wants to chime back in, she is welcome. Because I, I read this, and I'm like, are young people that much more enlightened than older people because it this a new study says that majority of young people uh are more willing to spend on non-essential purchases and hobbies than older generations in order to have better quality of life than extra money in the bank now there are risks but all right i will ask i will ask you matt if you had a choice between having some extra money in the bank when you got older or living a life that was full of experiences while you were young and able to enjoy them which one would you which one would you go for i'd say save the money cuz you can have the experiences later uh not every experience some experience like if you get to be 65 70 depending uh you're not going to go mountain climbing yeah skydiving out of the question then you're not gonna like right around there all right but matt matt is chasing the almighty dollar that's fine. That's a, that's everybody's got their thing. Tommy, where do you fall on this? Uh, I like split the middle on it. I would say, you know, there's I'll, I'll take a vacation if I want to. I don't take a lot of them or anything, but I like to think I save my money pretty well for someone my age. Okay. Do you uh, do you do that over enjoyment? Do you like my? I, I will say this. My daughter is that way. Like she she. Thank goodness. She's very good at saving saving money and putting it away and, and investing and all that. Almost to the point where sometimes she foregoes enjoying her life because of that. And there's a lot of life between she's 27 and whenever you're going to retire. All right, Jessica's here too. Jessica, where do you fall on this? I'm also going to say kind of in between. Like, I okay. definitely want, you know, to have 
meaningful experiences before that that retirement age. So I, I honestly might lean a little bit more towards the yeah, you know, savings good, but <laughs> we'll, we'll have some yeah, fun. Not- yeah. Just to clarify, because you guys all are, have very good, responsible answers. It's not that they're foregoing saving altogether. Right. They're just soft saving is what they're calling okay. it. They're, they're saving some money. They're, they're being responsible, but they're not saying, oh, my friends are going to Paris. I've always wanted to go to Paris, but... I'm trying to, you know, it's not like they're saving for a house or, but that I would have to, I would have to use some money. And maybe this month I didn't put as much into my savings account as other months. I would say there's definitely like a money cap on that. If I, Paris is way too big a picture for me to even think about like, oh yeah, I'll go do that just because I want to do that. But if something's like a few hundred bucks and I really would enjoy it, Gotta I take would it. absolutely go and do it just because like you know maybe when we get to a thousand dollars that's when i'm like whoa i don't know if i can do that but 300 bucks and you know i get to go see a packer game or something like yeah i would go do it if i wanted to go see that game all right let me ask this and i'm not asking anybody for specifics so do you think do you think income level changes that perspective if say i don't know I'll just leave it at that. Would income level at your at uh, affect that if you were if you were making the kind of money where not that you had money to just blow, but you had enough where if you wanted to go on a trip, you could do it without you know you weren't going to miss your car payment, you weren't going to be late on your rent or your credit cards. You just might not have instead of five hundred dollars that you put away to save every month, you only had a hundred. Well, I mean, I think the answer is duh, obviously, right? With something like that. I I mean, if you want to be responsible with the money, absolutely. You got to look at what income you're making in order to do it. I've done a good enough job, I think, with my finances up until this point where if I wanted to make an impulse decision like that, now I can't make a bunch of them in a row or consistently. But if I wanted to spend that money, yeah, I, I think that income should have a huge factor into that. And not just right, income, well, but like if you, your rent and all that. Sure. Right. And expenses well, in constantly. general. Yeah. You have to have, I, I think this is all predicated on the fact that you have to have some disposable income. And let me tell you, and thank you all for your, for your honesty. I appreciate all your answers. Uh, according to this study, nearly three in four Gen Z Americans would choose to have a better quality of life than extra money in the bank. So again, it's not that they don't want to have any money in the bank. So according to a report from uh, financial tech platform Intuit, 73% of those aged between 18 and 25 would rather use their money to enhance their life in the present than put it toward future savings. It's a soft saving trend is what they're calling it. The soft life's answer to finances. Uh, a soft life is a lifestyle which prioritizes comfort, low stress, and wellness. It's about personal growth and mental well-being in the now rather than a future that is unknown. They found that two in three Gen Z Americans are only interested in finances as a way to support their other interests in life, compared to 61% of the general population. Um, According to the vice president and financial consultant at Fidelity Investments, said young people are more likely to embrace a balance between the traditional hustle to save every single penny and using some of their extra income to enjoy life now. 
According to the study, 73% of Gen Z Americans say the current economy makes them hesitant to set up long-term goals. This is compared to 63% of the general population. Uh, Gen Zs and millennials uh, were more willing to spend on non-essential purchases and hobbies than older generations. (coughs) And I can see... I can see a benefit in that being being older than all three of you, and um, you know having everybody makes sacrifices. Everybody is should be cognizant of their finances and their their money. Uh, I think I think if you have a little extra, and it can make your life a little more enjoyable in the present, without sacrificing the future. I think you go ahead, do it, enjoy yourself, because at this point, the way the, the way things are going in the world, who knows what's coming? You want to wait 40 years and then find out, oh, man, I put all this money away. This is great. Now there's nowhere to retire to. Well, ba- yeah, I was ocean- just banking on you know a radio career. I don't know when oh, I'm yeah. going to be able to retire yeah, here. Wow, so, Tommy, I <laughs> I think I, I thought I tried to teach you a Matt better than right, that. Right, yeah. This is, you know. That didn't work. Yeah, Matt's on, Matt's, you know. Matt, you guys are both doing very well, uh, but this is not the long-term solution, fellas. Man, I'm, plastics. Go into plastics. It, it's all about the immediate satisfaction of radio. And it, well, listen, you're talking, you're preaching to the choir, brother. I know how that goes. All right, let's take this. All right, let's take a break. Um, Peter, people are texting in uh, about the gold toilets. Still very excited about the gold toilets. But I need to know, I've never hit a deer. I've come very close. I want to talk to you if you've hit a deer because I have I have some info here, but I don't know if it's... It comes from a reputable source, so it's not disinformation or fake news. But I'm wondering because it goes against everything I've heard before. So I need to talk to some experts. If you have hit a deer, I would love to talk to you. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. It's WTMJ Nights. 855-616-1620, that is the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. Old National Bank, get old. I need to talk to you if you have hit a deer. Um, I live in constant fear of hitting a deer, even when I'm not driving, like right now. I'm a little worried that a deer might come in and I might punch it. I saw a video today of a deer bursting through the window of a Wisconsin or a Michigan lingerie store. Uh, the deer was very confused. I don't know if it was looking for, you know, uh, something sexy because it's mating season. I don't know what, but deer. I love to see them. I still, as a man of a certain age, when I'm driving along and it's dusk and I see anytime I see a herd of deer. I get excited. If I see one deer standing near near the road, I'm like, oh, look, a deer. I, I admire their beauty. I never want to hit one. But a couple weeks ago, um, I was out of town. I was down in southern Illinois for homecoming, and we were staying at a state park. So way out in the country. Beautiful, beautiful state park. But the drive from Carbondale to the state park was two-lane country road. And there were deer jumping out everywhere. And I was terrified. Because I don't know what it is about deer. I don't don't get them. They have no respect for the headlights. So AAA has put out uh, a lot of information now because according to the Highway Loss Data Institute, 
The number of animal strike-related insurance claims in November is more than twice the yearly average. Deer season is here, and we're not supposed to be hunting with our cars. So the severity of the claims measured in dollars uh, say that, all right, it's obvious these are not small animals. These collisions are involving deer, and we know that. We know if you're out, they're jumping in front of you. You ever hit a deer, Matt? Not while driving. Wow, you just walked up and punched one like in Blazing Saddles? Had the beauty of watching it from the passenger seat. Oh, no. So you were in the car when it got hit. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Let's just say Rufus is in a better place. Wow. Now, did it, uh, did it come into the car? Did it fly over the car? It was right off of the grill and then flew about 30 feet in the opposite direction. Oh, my God. Like a hockey stick hitting a hockey puck and it going right off the post. Holy smokes. How much damage? Was, was anybody hurt other than the deer? The deer in the car. No people. Well, that's good. Cars cars can be fixed. A lot of people can. Wow, that had to be that had to be scary. Was it? What time of day was it? Was it nighttime or was it like that dusky when they're just getting antsy? 11 o'clock at night. Oh. Pitch black. One lane oh. going each way. No, thank you. Ugh. All right, that's that's bad. I, the only I I've hit like a raccoon, and I think one time out in the country I hit a cat, and it's horrible. It's horrible to to hit an animal, um, but neither one of those did any damage. All right, so this is pretty pretty much how to avoid hitting a deer in your car, uh, according to AAA. And Tommy used earlier. He used the expression "duh." Some of these. Some of these how to avoid hitting a deer are basically duh. Scan the road. Really? Yes. Okay. Really? Everybody does that. You know, you're scanning the road if you're driving, unless you're one of these idiot drivers, and there are a lot of them who are looking at their phone or something else or talking to somebody. You're looking at the road. But these deer don't care. They're not giving, they don't always give advance notice. They come leaping out. Use the high beams. That's only good if you're the only car. Yeah, what if there's someone coming the other road? way? Well, then you you got to dim your brights. You hope that if a deer is going to jump, their brights will catch them, and your reflexes are cat-like, and boom, you'll be able to stop. Be cautious at dawn and dusk, yes, and always wear your seatbelt. That's not going to help you avoid hitting a deer. Which one of it's, the – none of those advice pieces are helpful. Well, they're all – I mean, scan the road, but we should be scanning the road anyway. So that's those are all basic. You know, and they're not, you're right, they're, none of them are groundbreaking. None of them make you go, here's what, here's what, where I get confused. Because I had heard years ago that you're not supposed to hit the brakes if you're about to hit a deer. Because if you hit the brakes, the front end of your car goes down, and then there's a better chance of the deer coming right through your windshield and impaling you with their antlers or just being mad and in your car all of a sudden. Well, now AAA is saying, no, 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 no. That's not that's not the point. You're not supposed to speed up. It says, contrary to popular belief, speeding up before hitting a deer will not do you any favors. It can cause more damage to you and your vehicle. I don't know. Did you guys hit the brakes, Matt, or did you just plow through? Slightly hit the brakes, but what I don't understand what AAA is saying. It's not like, oh, here's a deer. Let me go. We'll go to the floor like well that was no that was the 
I mean, it's obvious. Maybe it's an urban myth, but that's what I had heard for years that you weren't supposed to hit the brakes. I don't think you hit the brakes, causes... but you just plow through it because also you don't know who's behind you. Right. It's like in it's like in uh, Days of Thunder. You just drive through the smoke, and you hope nothing's in there. So they say don't swerve. Swerving is one of the biggest mistakes you can make before you hit a deer. Swerving can seem correct at the moment, but this can cause you to hit another vehicle or someone's property. Oh, all right. Does say to apply the brakes. Hold your steering wheel. Apply the brakes. Try your best to come to a complete stop as soon as you can. <coughs> there, I don't know who these guys are that are writing for AAA, but they're giving, they're giving a lot more time to this decision. Anybody who's hit a deer or hit anything knows they usually are jumping out right in front of you. There's, it's not like, well, I have time to come to a complete stop. It's like, no, my wife and daughter were driving back from California, and they were up, you know, they took the northern route. And they were driving through somewhere, and they said there were all these jackrabbits that were just flying out and, like, pelting the car with their bodies because they were driving through the country and these things were just boom, boom, bouncing off the car. It's not like they had time to go, oh, we should probably stop because, uh, you know, we don't want to hit any of these. No, animals, animals are out of their minds. So, you know, I would say just be careful, but eh, that's not going to do any good. If you want to be, if you don't want to be careful, don't. Um, but I don't know what you do if you, can you take a deer? Like, like yours, Matt, if you had hit it and it was still good eating, could you have, could you have taken it once you hit it? I, I think Rufus is still on the side of the road, to be honest with you. I hope not. That's that's a bad way to go. I would want to, you know, if I, God forbid you hit a deer, but you hit it, you want to kill it. Because if not, that's a, you're just... The quality of life is just not there. No, a three-legged deer, that's not going not gonna to work out. All right, let's do, uh, we got some business to do, don't we, Matt? Got a little business? Oh, yeah. All right, we better take care of that business. It's WTMJ Nights. Well, thank you. I know we uh, Matt told me we had a number of callers with deer stories. I would love to hear them. Perhaps we'll do them another time. Unfortunately, time is the tyrant tonight, so we don't. Uh, we will. Uh, we will not get to share those. I. I've heard. I, I know people put, or people used to put deer whistles on their bumps. I don't know if those work. I've driven through the UP. I've driven. I've driven all over. Thankfully, and I'm going to knock on wood, I have not hit a deer. Uh, but man, I, I was I was nervous the other night because it was one of those. As we're coming down, you could see him in the horizon, just jumping through other people's headlights. Well, listen, thank you for listening, and thank you for being part of the program. Uh, I know it's not Monday night, as the promo said, but because there was a Bucks game last night, Justin Garcia is coming up at eight o'clock with Bucks Weekly, so make sure you stay tuned for that. It's coming up on the other side of the news. We won't be here until next week because there are Bucks games and then high school football on Friday, but I'll be back with you on Tuesday evening. So until then, have a wonderful week. I'll talk to you soon. Matt, thanks for all your help. Have a great night. It's WTMJ.